Hello, this is Voyager Time. Did you know that Klingon females are renowned in the Alpha Quadrant not only for their physical prowess, but also for enjoying piling their gold in the center of town and dancing wildly around it? I'm Andrew, and with me today is... Sarah. Ben. And I'm Nathan. Today we're talking about Voyager Episode 12 on Netflix, Faces. Belana Torres is split into her human and Klingon halves by the Vidians. The Voyager has fired two of its 38 photon torpedoes. The Phage Boys are back. Yeah. This is my least favorite episode of Voyager so far. Really? Hands down. This was a real stinker of an episode. I mean, I think we've had worse. <laughs> but it definitely wasn't on the top of my list. But you, you do remember the... Oh, it's the Voyager. Yeah, but that was just terrible from a plot perspective. Or like a canon perspective. At least it was an interesting concept. This episode was as boring as it was predictable and i had to like look at terrible makeup the entire time i just hated it <laughs> they did all my least favorite star trek things in it like spend a lot of time on a problem that they solved a few minutes later with technobabble which rendered the problem completely purposeless the entire episode like no reason for them to do that they could have just like gotten through it and then moved on to the next thing without having to waste all that time doing it it's packed full of filler i just i hated it i hated it i really did not like this episode which thing did they get through right away with all the technobabble a couple of things. The first one that came to mind was when they come to the, the the force field and they just like spend two, three minutes standing there going like, well, we can't get through it. And then someone has like Star Trek Technobabble solution. And then they just zap the wall with their phasers and continue on through as if it was never there in the first place. It never comes back. It's never relevant again. No, they didn't do that. They zap it with their phasers and it doesn't work. Oh, that's right. I was expecting them to. What they actually did was just like more Technobabble crap until they could get uh, transported through it, through the, like the crack in it. Like, it just, it didn't amount to anything in the episode. It was just, it was a nothing thing there, just, I guess, for the purpose of time. Well, that was how they got Chakotay in there to rescue them. Yeah. Yeah, but they could have, like, it makes no difference if that thing is there or not, because Chakotay is getting in one way or the other. But it did, it did actually make a difference. Okay, but, I mean, they have to have him get in there somehow. How would you have written it? I don't know. I'm not a writer. I would have skipped that part, though. I, I It just, it didn't seem... It, it, it did not seem relevant to me. You would have had Chakotay walk up to the front door and just knock and say, Hi, I'm the new Vidian guy <laughs> for my first day of work. I'm being transferred from the other colony. <laughs> I'm, it's my first day on the job. Got a new face graft. I just got my new face today. <laughs> my name's Chico- uh, Phageman. There's a, there's a Pixar quote that I'm going to butcher, but it's basically like... Uh, you can use magic to get into a bad situation, but you can't use it to get out of the situation. And this just felt like setting up a no stakes thing that they used magic to get out of. Cause there's no, if you use techno babble to solve a problem, it was a fake problem in the first place. Cause there's no real solution to it. If you can't do something like in concrete terms that the viewers would understand, then it's not a real problem with a real solution. I, it's Star Trek. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I actually think that this was not a situation of that because the the force field did actually play a role in like the whole episode. Like it, they weren't able to get through it because it was a different kind of technology. They they had to spend half the episode figuring out how they could get through it. Like they were only able to get one person through, and then they were like, "We don't know if we actually got him through or if he's going to survive on the other side." It was a whole like they did they did not know if what they had. If what they had was going to work, they spent half an episode in length, but they spent it was like two scenes on board Voyager for them to figure out the problem. So I I I get your point, but I think the the purpose of it was mostly like 
there is a reason they can't just like storm in and get their people back so that you know there's the the time that they have to be trapped there and unrescuable it was i think more just a means of that like conveying that i guess i think Part of the problem I have with this plays into a larger issue I have with the episode overall, which seemed like there wasn't really that much of a theme to it. They weren't really exploring that much. I mean, we didn't even get to see human Balana until halfway through the episode. And at that point, it was a pretty paint-by-the-numbers human side weak, Klingon side strong. We need both of each other to balance each other out. That's important, blah, 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 that bullshit. If it had been something... If there had been a more consistent theme and something a little bit more interesting that they were exploring, they could have tied... The, the challenges into that more closely. It just sort of felt like a grab bag of Star Trek stuff with nothing really driving it besides a writer. I guess circling back to the, the top of the episode. So it kind of starts out with Paris Taurus and Durst, the classic character Durst, <laughs> our old, our old friend Durst, that sweet boy Durst, um, being captured. Uh huh. Basically, the Vidians are trying to essentially, yeah, split Taurus's um, uh, person. No, not even personality. What? How would you guys describe it? She her genetics. Yeah, she essentially split into her human and Klingon forms, respectively. Um, and they were trying to determine whether her as a Klingon would be immune to the phage and if they would be able to use that to, you know, cure themselves. Yeah, which I think that is more the point of the episode. Like, I don't even remember the shit about the force field. Like, yeah. I was not absorbing that part. I was more watching and waiting for the... Because, like, I feel like there are a lot of Star Trek episodes like this where there's like a story and then there's like the in-between parts where the other people are trying to solve a problem that helps the other story be resolved at the end like it's just kind of a formula and i mean whether or not it's interesting is up for debate i guess but i i mean i i thought it was less interesting than it could have been in terms of the balana stuff because like they like you said they don't meet up we, they don't even meet each other until like ha- almost the end like really close to the end of the episode and it wasn't a very nuanced it, dis- like discussion of what it's like to be klingon and what it's like to be human and what it's like to be half of one of each of those like no but we did get tom relating racism to a bad haircut yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that was yeah that wonderful. was bad and i can't believe she didn't well klingon Half Klingon Balana would have probably punched him in the face for saying that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Human Balana could barely get out of the fetal position. Well, she was traumatized. Like, I don't want to judge her for that. Like, it was a bad situation that they didn't really like show as much as they could have. Like, she was being medically experimented on. I'm gonna give her a pass. She was like, she was like. Being tortured and also, like, having a panic attack. Like, I think she would have been fine eventually after some therapy, you know, maybe ongoing, but... Well, I mean, you see that even near the end of the episode, how she kind of handles herself differently than... But there's just that immediate shock of, like, okay, I am kind of a stranger to myself at this point. I didn't like the implication that the only reason why Balana is a tough character is because she's half Klingon. Because when you see her as just a human, she's 
cowardly and she's hiding and she's not taking any action at all. And the implication through the episode is that the only real the reason that she is Belana Torres, the go getter that we know and have I've really enjoyed seeing in these episodes, is because she's half Klingon. And you take that away and suddenly she's nothing. I really did not like that. I feel like it framed it that way, like in the you know, initial part, but I feel like as it progressed through the episode, she, you know, kind of stood on her own for the most part. Yeah, it wasn't a standout episode, but I don't think it was, for for me at least, it was not bottom of the barrel. Like, there was some interesting stuff, and they had some interesting, like, I did, was not anticipating Bolana just being split into two different people. I was, I thought they just had taken the human out of her and were looking at the Klingon. So when they introduced that, I was like, oh, okay, they're going. Well, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like, that doesn't <laughs> that, make that sense That was a, like, do. okay. It was just like, let's do this. This would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, she's half, so let's, like, split her into two. Which I mean, does not dumb. make any sense. But no. it was a, it was an idea that I was like, okay, sure. Let's see what the, what they do with this. That's That could be interesting. But I don't think they followed through on it. No, it, it definitely had... I've, I felt like it had the same um, attempt at what, like... At, like what Celeste was trying to do, like show that what she had previously viewed as something that she did not want or like something that was limiting her. I, uh, I just seem it just this, the theme felt like it was going for, you know, like the same sort of concept of as what Celeste went for, but just it, it didn't quite hit the mark externalizing an internal conflict yeah mm-hmm. and then yeah learning to kind of like accept like okay i need all these aspects of me because that is like what makes me as an individual maybe i'm super jaded but i felt like it was incredibly one note and handled in a really ham-fisted way like klingons are aggressive the human is not so the human side keeps the klingon in restraint and you need both sides otherwise you're powerless or too angry it's just it, it was so simplistic there was no there's no nuance there and we got a, an itty bitty look at what could have been when she's talking to tom about her life uh before she joined starfleet and they didn't capitalize on that at all and instead they spent their time putting durst face on vidian head which was a makeup effect i found so comical that i couldn't stop laughing when i saw it on screen I mean, it was hilarious. It was pretty funny. Especially when he goes, perhaps you'll be more comfortable around me now. That dude was so good. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought it was funny that of the two human dudes that he had captured, uh-huh. the, he picks that guy to take the face off of and not Tom, who's right fucking there. Like, I know it's because Pete was the red shirt, even though he was wearing a gold uniform no but, i think I, I think we're just gonna use this for our argument that tom is not really hot <laughs> that's a good point he's definitely better than pete durst <laughs> <laughs> what you don't love pete i love pete my good friend yeah, pete. It- <laughs> that's a, he's such a great guy with his line well he had several lines in the lot like this is what i was saying last time i looked up who this guy was because i was like trying to understand last episode and yeah, I saw that he was in this episode, and that was the only reason he was in that one. So I was like, and then I read that this is what happened to him, and I was like, okay. And that's why I was I was laughing very hard when he showed up with he like put his face 
on that yeah well first it just was it was the most ridiculous bullshit it was so stupid and he was so excited about it he was so excited about it like look at me it was a very dumb moment well like that whole time okay there were like they shouldn't have had that bullshit in the in it like if they wanted to have an episode about Bolana having her two sides and trying to reconcile her self or whatever then they should have made it about that and not included this weird the then the guy what's this the vidian guy who was trying to do an experiment on her to see if she could Sulan. resist the phage and like then he also like thought she was hot and wanted her to eventually come mm. to like him mm. and she I think to try and get him to unlock the thing that she was like locked up and she starts being like, yeah, Klingons are like, we like to get down. And then he's like, oh, okay. And he's like into it. And then he touches her face and she like flinches because he's gross. And he's like, oh, you know, I have feelings too. And I'm like, you fucking kidnapped and are torturing her actions. I don't think she owes you shit, man. (laughs) Like... Think he leaves goo behind when he touches Whoa. things? Probably. <laughs> They're just a very ooey, gooey, sticky alien race, I guess. They just are used to that. There were so many close-ups of that. I hated it. It was bad. Mm-hmm. Well, and then when Chakotay comes to rescue them, they make him up to look like a Vidian. But and then they're but he's in the hot in the like sick bay and they're doing it there. So like what is it made of <laughs> rubber like, latex i well that's yeah. what i would have thought it was but like why was the doctor doing it then he also knows how to do uh monster makeup and they're like <laughs> oh run monster makeup program on emh <laughs> and he just does that just one of many problems with this episode <laughs> i guess oh it was funny tom's face when he saw chakotay was it looked like that was pretty funny <laughs> to me he was like uh oh <laughs> Did it bother anyone else that when they were split up into their component halves, they weren't 50% the size? Where did the Vidian get the extra meat from? That's your concern? They have they have advanced They're things. harvesting organs from people. It just seems like she should have been small. Yeah, I think that what was implied was that they like accelerated. I think you specifically said like he accelerated like cellular mitosis and like that presumably would just like grow in the rest of the meat i guess (laughs) give me star trek babies like i want yeah is it like is it like a clone thing that's what i was thinking it was not clear no doesn't really matter that's see this is the kind of thing that i don't think is interesting for them to focus on like techno babble yeah i like i think they gave just enough context for like hey we split apart your two halves don't think about it too hard yeah I think if they had focused on it more, then that would be annoying, an annoying issue. But to me, it was fine. It wasn't like... It's fine if it's used just to set up the situation like that. That that totally worked for me. Yeah. Um, We need to talk about, like, Neelix making people's, like, comfort foods, though. <laughs> yeah. And Tom, Tom Paris, again, with the, like, boring answer of peanut butter and jelly as his... That is... Perfect for Tom. That was wild. It makes so much sense for Tom, but man, he's still... What is wrong with him? We got another, like, a nice bowl of hot plain tomato soup there, though, it looked like. Mm-hmm. 
is plomake soup. How dare you, Nate? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's it's Vulcan soup. Like I have nothing wrong, nothing against a good pe- peanut butter and jelly, but like, if I'm gonna pick a comfort food that I want want to get re- like regularly, it ain't gonna be that. Well, for Tom, it is. <laughs> He does eat like a child. He does. But I can't judge him for that because so do I. But he also has those like spinach shakes or spinach juice I don't things. do that. That's his adult side. And for Tuvok, it's a nice can of Campbell's. Um, as long as we're on the topic of food, that uh, quote unquote rodent that <laughs> um, KB found was just like a chicken breast on a stick, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, probably. I did like how she was just like... The human Bolano is like, what is it? Because obviously it would make sense to ask what this mysterious meat is. And Klingon, when she was just like, it's some rodent that I caught. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. <laughs> Let's not dive any deeper than this. Yeah. The props department just kind of threw that together, it seemed like. Yeah. It was just chicken on a stick. I do think... Like, whether or not it was an interesting concept or if they did it well, I do think the actress who was playing Bolana did a really good job of making her look or, or sound different. Like, even when she's just talking, like, as a human, she sounded, like, it was just ever so slightly different and, like, more timid. I don't know. I thought she did a really good job of it in, with what she had, I guess. I was surprised to discover how much the Klingon, like, vocal style is based on their big fake teeth well yeah that wasn't that wasn't an intentional choice by that's not an intentional choice by the actors that's just how they end up talking with those uh fake teeth in there yeah they have to be very slow and deliberate they're really trying to really trying to keep those in but yes i agree I, i thought she did a great job overall um i just don't like how she uh how she was written this episode yeah or how anything was written in this episode, frankly. Yeah, we didn't even get Tom and Harry talking at all. I know. It was a major disappointment. It's the worst part of these episodes. Just Tom talking to Bolana. But we got another Neelix. That was crazy to see. Yeah. <laughs> a Talaxian. They're all Neelixes They're to all... me. <laughs> and yeah, he was just as annoying as regular Neelix. At least the first time around when he, he was like making bad jokes just like Neelix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a trait of their of their species, I guess. Somehow I had it in my head that Neelix was the only one of his species, so I was really surprised to see this guy. I think they show up more than just this. I think there's I think they come up a few times. Alright. And every time they just have a cloud of obnoxygen around them. I think eventually it might even be like Neelix's family. Oh no. I feel like that might happen. I at don't some like point. that. I do not like that. I don't know how. Is long... it going to be like uh, the Star Wars holiday special? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I hope so. I, I I hope so. I hope it's at least a little better than that. But how could what could be better than that? How could you improve on that masterpiece? <laughs> Does Neelix have a son named Stinky? I hope so. I genuinely hope so. <laughs> yep. So that was a Star Trek. It sure was. Did you all enjoy it? It 
Yeah, like I said at the beginning, not my not my favorite, but we definitely had worse. Mm-hmm. It was just a bit of a, a swing and a miss at something that could have been could have been much better, a bit more. Yeah, a bit more than it was, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it was underwhelming. I guess I to your point, Andrew. Like the other ones that we've had problems with. Like, to me, it's easier to write off because it's like, okay, that was just not, like, an interesting plot. But, like, when things like this, where it's like, okay, there could have been a strong potential for this being done well, and then them just kind of whiffing, that is a bit more disappointing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it does about... I definitely had the same problem about Klingon strong but dumb human smart but weak thing Mm -hmm. because that's just ridiculous because like if Klingons were all just warriors and they're stupid and they didn't actually like know anything or they wouldn't be a space traveling race like (laughs) they obviously have scientists they have like doctors and every other type of like intelligent person they have literature they have all these things which and and so I mean, it goes back to my my complaint about Klingons in general, like toxic masculinity, the human or like the race, like because that's what they are portrayed as all the time. Like the only one that isn't like that is Worf. And the reason is Worf is not like that is because he grew up with human parents like and that's just it's just very reductive and dumb. And I I think I don't want to I. Discovery has a little bit more of, like, nuance with their Klingons, but I don't like the Klingons. I don't think anybody writes them very well or in an interesting way. And so, like, this is just another drop in that bucket for me. So I was just like, oh, Klingon bullshit again. Okay. An episode about Klingon scientists would be really cool. There's one in Next Generation. <laughs> one. One. <laughs> Out of all the Star Trek, one. <laughs> like I could easily see uh, like stories that could be interesting about Klingons. It just doesn't sound like they've done that kind of thing. It'd be great to know what makes them tick beyond just like the warrior code. Like if you're not a great warrior and a Klingon, like are you a dishonor to your family? Do you go yes. into science? How do they are they yes. motivated? Like you are a dishonor to your family. So it's just that, huh? It's really just that. There is there is one character. That is in Next Generation who she is a half Klingon person uh, and she and Worf kind of like hook up. But like, ooh, steamy. Uh, <laughs> and that's how Worf has a son. But anyway, she um, she's like the coolest Klingon character. I mean, she and Balana would probably get along, but she like she she's rejected the Klingon stuff. She's like, I believe that we can do whatever we want. Like I, I like love who I am and I like embrace my Klingon aspects, but I don't think that I have to go out and prove anything to anybody by being a warrior and killing people for fun kind of shit. She's really cool, but she wasn't in a main enough character when she could have been, but I don't know. Like there's just very few examples of that. Most of the time it's just like, dudes who punch each other all the time for no reason just cling on things <laughs> like that so 
And I I haven't seen all Deep Space Nine, so if there's stuff on there that, that is Klingon related where it's not like that, I have not seen it. There probably is, because Worf joins that show at one point. I really hope we get more interesting Balana episodes that are not just... This, this felt so reductive in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, that's my... I thought the same thing when I was going through Next Generation with Worf, because every time it would be a Worf episode, I would be like, okay, I love Worf, but I hate that every single episode is about his <laughs> Klingon shit. It's always about that, except for there's yeah. like one episode in the seventh season where he gets to just have an episode where he's doing an adventure, and it's the coolest. Like, it's one of my favorite episodes. But, uh, yeah, like, I hope that they... I think that since she is half human, there's more of a chance that she'll get to do her own stories more often, but there will definitely still be some of that stuff with Klingon things, but I don't remember. I assume it will let us down. Let's just go Mm -hmm. with that. (laughs) It's better to assume that we're going to be let down and then be pleasantly surprised, at least in this situation. I have concerns too about Bolana being a woman. I feel like if, she had been a man in this episode, her human counterpart would have been written very differently. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he he would have been written like... Like Tom, maybe. Maybe, but like smart. Like like a really like like snappy, smart, like nerd. Like... Oh, I see. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Like, like kind of c- clever. Yeah. Instead of just like tim- timid. Right. This is pretty much only for Sarah, but kind of like the doctor, almost. Like, not quite that level of snappy and clever, but... Well, there are a lot of different versions of the doctor, so... Yo, fair. (laughs) They're usually all pretty, like, clever and smart, for the most part. Oh, you mean Doctor Who? No. Not the emergency medical hologram. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's just book nerdy type smart, which is also great, but... I was just trying to connect the dots there. I didn't see how he's like the doctor at all. <laughs> Some episodes of, of Voyager so far have made me disappointed. Uh, this is the only one so far that has made me actively upset while I was watching it. Yeah. Did anybody look up any like facts about it or anything like that? I know they struggled a lot writing it. Um, what is the like? Why are what is the problem with like this one? The last one they had that because it was given. I, okay, let me step into my uh, super leftist hat here for a second here. Okay. <laughs> um, it was given to a first-time writer who was a man who didn't like the concept in the first place and was forced to write it. Cool. That's probably why that weird sex thing happened. Yeah. yeah. I had a feeling you were going to use something like that for the for the quote, but I couldn't commit to it. <laughs> It just, it was so out of place. That was another thing too. This episode had so many tones going on. Like I couldn't tell if I was supposed to be creeped out by the doctor or if it was supposed to be comical or like if I was supposed to be sympathetic to her. It seemed like they, the writer was adopting different tones in an effort to give the, 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 the Vidian, whatever doctor guy, some like shades of humanity or, or just like, a more complex character, but really he just has to be like the evil mad scientist. And that's fine. That serves the episode perfectly without having to add this weird, like beauty and the beast side to it. Right. They didn't have to have him be a character. Although the peeling the face off and putting that on him was fucking hilarious. Like I was hilarious. (laughs) 
I was laughing so hard. And I mean, I did write down this is a horror movie, but it wasn't like scary enough to actually. It was like a like a D movie horror movie kind of thing. Like uh-huh. not even like so bad it's good. It was just so dumb. And like it, it did that whole loop of like so, it's so bad it's good like three times. That's what happened there. All I could think of during that part was the episode of The Office where Dwight cuts off the mannequin face during the CPR training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is so stupid. The guy who wrote this said that he made the Vidians be involved because he couldn't think of a way for them to be to split her in half believably. I'm like, just have it be a fucking transporter accident. Like, that is, like, the easiest thing that you could do. Like, oh, <laughs> we're beaming her back up from an away mission, and oh, there's some weird thing going wrong, and Oh no, Belana's two different people. And then you're all on the ship. Everybody else can interact with both sides of her. Like, that would be the whole episode, would be just that instead of the Vidian bullshit with. And Pete wouldn't have to get his face peeled off. Like, I'm going to miss that, man. I mean, unless he wanted it to be, somebody could do that, I guess. But I'm just saying, like, it's not. It would have been very easy to come up with a reason <laughs> this could have happened in Star Trek. Nope, this was the one. The one way it worked. <laughs> the only way. The only way it could be done. He was like, apparently he thought it would be hokey to do it any other way than have the Vidians be involved. The whole damn episode was hokey. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is that Star Trek is typically so good at introducing the villain aliens as a foil, just sort of as a contrast to what the main story is about here. But like, what... What are the Vidians doing here? Why do we? Why does it have to be the sick people who are harvesting organs to preserve their their life? Like, how does that tie into splitting her at all? It just doesn't make any sense. Well, and it also doesn't make sense that he even knows about Klingons. Like, mm-hmm. how the fuck does he know right. about Klingons? Yeah, that. Like, did they hack Voyager's computers and learn about Alpha Quadrant species and find out that she's there and has? I just don't, it doesn't make sense. I would buy it if he knew that she was half Klingon, but he doesn't know what a Klingon looks like in the first place. So, or what they are. Yeah, or, or that they are a different them. species. Like, it, I could kind of, kind of see it as a, like, a use, like how they could explain it for like, oh, we need to be testing on a like full Klingon. Otherwise, it's, you know, we can't be sure that it's not x y or z thing like right but again he doesn't fucking know about klingons in the first place oh my god he really did write it as beauty and the beast thing that's what it says on memory alpha this is a d minus episode for me this is bad and now reading more about it makes it even worse yeah i don't like any of this new information we're getting it's it's very very unpleasant to learn I don't trust Voyager to do a good job tackling things like sexism and race. I just don't because no. uh, it's too early in the 90s for them to figure that shit out. But, uh, but there was at least some potential for them to take a, a stab at it here and they just completely sidestepped it. Mm-hmm. You get that one monologue from Balana, which was cliche, but not in a way that I found disappointing. Um and then they just go put Durst's face on a Vidian. Mm-hmm. That really mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. the thing that I keep taking away from the episode. Is they just took this guy's face and put it on him. And I can't really think about anything else. 
Well, at this point. just think about the fact that the only reason he was in the episode before this was so that they could do that. In this <laughs> it's episode. So good. He was oh, just excellent. So he stuck out so much in that I last know. episode just for that purpose. That's incredible. I'm here too. Durst. Durst, everybody's Your favorite, favorite boy. Durst, I've been Durst, here the Durst, whole Durst. time. <laughs> I have one other question about this that was bothering me. Um, why did human Bolana get the Voyager uniform and Klingon Bolana did not? I assume that because the human Bolana was the one, like that was Bolana Prime, and then the Klingon one was the one they grew out of. The just felt xenophobic to me. Just didn't like it. Klingons can be members of the crew too, you know. <laughs> well, just rude. Just rude. I mean, it, he was doing experiments on her. That would have introduced a whole other thing because, like, yeah, the the concept was Bolana had human HB had her own body still, um, while KB was grown from that DNA, I guess. So to get the uniform on the Klingon would have been unnecessary and uncomfortable <laughs> for everyone. But Klingon Bolana was still dressed, so clearly they went to the effort to put clothes on her. They were like rags. It was just spare stuff from the last people that they they took organs from. <laughs> I mean, the I'm, I liked the way that they resolved it because I was afraid it was going to be some stupid thing where it was going to have to be they're both alive at the end and they have to make a choice to go back together, thus killing the human and Klingon versions of themselves or something like that. But then the Klingon version d- dies to save the human version and then the human version has to have the Klingon DNA put back into her. Otherwise she would die because <laughs> her like cells were falling apart. I don't know, some Star Trek medicine stuff. And so I, li- I liked that it wasn't like a, a choice that she was going to have to make because I didn't think that there was enough development that have, would have happened to justify that happening. So at least there was that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I figured they were going to have to, Obviously, they were going to have to put them back together somehow. Right. I'm glad. I'm glad that this was less of a, less of a like, yeah, like you said, choice as opposed to they had to just had to fucking do it. So I guess what I would have to say about the episode is sucking at something is just the first step towards being sort of good at something. So that's you saying you want to talk about Adventure Time now? I yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. This week, we also watched Adventure Time episode 25, His Hero. The great warrior Billy, voiced by Lou Ferrigno, inspires Finn and Jake to practice nonviolence, but the duo finds it difficult to resist old ways. Finn and Jake eventually confront Billy and manage to successfully explain to him that violence is sometimes necessary. And episode 26, Gut Grinder. Finn and Jake pursue a havoc-wreaking gut grinder, a creature that steals and eats others' gold. Jake begins to suspect that he himself may be the culprit. Jake eventually battles and defeats the gut grinder, and Finn and Jake are able to return all of the stolen gold. I love Lou Ferrigno, and I love him as Billy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my uh, my fact fact this time. Which, by the way, I didn't have one last week because it was all just like basic casts with nobody interesting showing up. So, uh, yeah, Lou Ferrigno, possibly best known as being the Hulk in the seventies or Hercules in the eighties. You know. Take your pick. He's a big, muscly guy. Big, muscly boy. Yes. He had so many good lines. 
in this, just like little asides, like when they come back to his cave and he's like, oh, no, I don't want to buy anything. <laughs> so good. <laughs> just delivers it so well. It was the perfect like startled old man response in uh-huh. so, many, so many times. My distraction throughout the episode is that uh, my, my wife, uh, Allison, <laughs> goes... Um, almost exclusively by Billy or Bill to her whole family. What? <laughs> uh huh. And has for for forever. So any like yeah, any birthday cards, any phone calls, any contacts on the phone. It's still it's always Bill or Billy. So so she's a that's my hero wife's it's, like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. she has a real good sword. And... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Practicing nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Helping by being active in community. Did she also fight a bear? Um, when, what time? Which I'm like, referring to. Also, also. Yes. Okay. <laughs> are you talking about the one that she fought just last week or the one like from a few years back though? Is that what... Oh, there's more than one. Which, which instance of bear well, fighting? Let's go, let's go chronologically. Let's go chronologically. Let's go a couple years back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Up north. Okay. Hiking. Yeah. And then, and then the last week. Um, that one was, um, inside the house. That one was stealing our fine china, and she had to beat it up. Okay. Got it. Understood. Very good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about the message of this episode? What, that, like, violence is good, actually. <laughs> that would, like, I think, I think that it was trying to say different situations require different responses. Yeah. And I think that's true. Smarter people than me have had this discussion um in the past about whether like is there ever such a thing as a good war is can war ever be justified it's the same sort of thing for a pacifist right if you choose a path of nonviolence, are there instances where you are doing more harm than good um and this was just a tiny little silly exploration of that but Mm -hmm. i i like the idea of a hero who has spent their life doing violence only to see that in the end doesn't really resolve anything um but then at the same time, he's just sitting in his cave, not doing anything at all anymore. Uh, and Finn and Jake are doing their best to live up to his ideal. But when they realize, like, ultimately, it doesn't work. It, it felt like there was a lot to unpack here. I'm not really articulating it well. No, it was. And they did a good job of making it, like, kind of making it clear that neither of them were 100% correct. Because, like, on the one hand, there are still, like... Yeah, uh, Jake and Finn, Finn and Jake did actually, you know, solve things through violence. But they also did have situations where it was like, yeah, violence didn't didn't fix this. Billy was right in some of these other situations. It's so easy to answer the question: is is violence ever justified with a flat no? And so it's curious that they would try that and see it fail, and then succeed later by employing it. Yeah, that's one thing that I've really appreciated about Adventure Time as a whole is that it is taking these really, like, big (laughs) discussions and making it something that they can make palatable to a wide audience and do it in 11 minutes. Like, that they can kind of distill these concepts down to an 11-minute children's cartoon and have it land. We're gonna get a lot more of that in the future too. Mm-hmm. This definitely feels like the first, like the hard, hardline first time that we've had like serious, like both sides being like conflicted, bigger talk 
type type episode. I don't feel like we've had a had one of those quite yet. Like there are some other ones where it dipped its toe, but it, this one definitely feels like its right. first real attempt at it. Sarah, how'd you feel about this episode? Dang it! I wanted to ask Sarah this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was good. I liked a lot of the stuff when they were trying to help people and failing. I thought it was really funny with the cobbler. They kept messing with him. And- <laughs> How am I supposed to cobble so with good. these useless chunk mitts? He's now I have to go to the dermatologist. <laughs> and he comes back like yeah. two seconds later and he's fine. Whole fixed. It's a magical dermatologist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I did like the little old lady that tells them not to listen to old people. <laughs> she was great. Yeah. I lo- specifically yeah. loved Jake dancing on her cheeks at the end. <laughs> and her crush on Billy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I think... I mean, you can look at it as strictly being just, is violence good or not? Like, But I think it could also just be looking at whether or not do you think doing things to help is worthwhile, whether it's however you're doing it. Because Billy says stuff like, well, what do you think happened to that old lady? She probably died <laughs> like right away afterwards or like kind of his whole attitude was for most of the episode was don't even bother. Cause we're all going to die anyway is kind of the vibe that I was getting. Like he just thought there was no point, And I don't think that that is, I mean, having Finn and Jake decide that there is a point to helping people and it is worthwhile and, like, you can help people by doing, doing intervening when you can the way that you can is good. I think they did a good aspect of um, focusing on, like, okay, you want to help people, but, like, help, like, play to your strengths, like, help in the way that, like, I, that... Uh, I, I don't know, are most... Help in the way that you're yeah. most suited. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just, yeah, I guess playing to your playing to your strengths because, yeah. like, I don't know, we're all skilled in different areas and being able to... There's not, like, some single way that's going to be, like, the most... Helpful. Yeah. There's no perfect yeah. way to do it. Well, like, they're, everybody's good at different stuff. Right. So, like, I... I I can help by donating money, but I can't help by going to Africa and being a doctor because I'm not a doctor. <laughs> like, They also did a good job of being like, hey, it's okay to not be good at something right away with that whole, mm-hmm. with, you know, Jake's literal quote of yeah, sucking at something is the first step to being kind of good at something. Like, I they undercut that, don't they? Do they? They do that they, a lot, though. They, I mean, they yeah. do that, but they also, like, don't really give that any more effort like they immediately just go you know what we've tried four times we'll give it one more okay fifth time was it we're no longer trying that so lumpy space princess is a beautiful cyborg fighter now right for forever Mm -hmm. definitely i love mecha mecha lumpy space princess both these episodes were packed full of very good jokes like that i always love when she shows up she's very good and again, there's so many instances of like seeing the the animators just having a ball to like the shoe lasso, like where Finn fixed the the shoe for the the lady going to a fancy funeral, and then the cobbler walks back in, and that the shoe just like lassos his head. 
I can't bring a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to Gut Grinder? Do we have anything else to say about Finn uh, meet his hero? This was a, an entirely different episode. So it, it, I didn't get whiplash on this one because it was also crammed full of jokes that I thought were very, very funny. Just like wall to wall silly goofiness. Yeah. Um, but not a lot of interesting messaging in this one. No. Lots of wee wee talk. <laughs> Lots of wee wee talk. Lots of wee wee from armpits. Yeah. A lot of Jake just being a dog in this episode. There's a lot of interesting smells in poop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you guys are the ones that are cute. This is actually an age-old debate between me and my best friend of whether or not it is possible for someone to be cute and hot. We have had this debate since, like, middle school. <laughs> Continue. Continue. I want to hear about the this debate. I mean, I don't think it that you can, but she does. Okay, what are what are the the requisite you know, or the you know, the requirements for one or the that other? That just depends the on the person. But like you can be cute and you can be hot, but at different times. Like at, at but one, one person time, can be both though, right? But not at the same time. But not at the same time. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Okay, I agree with that, yeah. We all contain both the potential for cuteness and hotness within us. Yes. For sure. But never can we be both at the same time. Right. What's uh, I'm trying to land on what the differentiating factor is, like putting words to it. You, it's just something that you know. You, <laughs> you feel it in your bones. Yes. It's an ethereal force, Nate. It's intangible. So is this because you think Jake is hot as well? Um, No. This was about a guy that I liked in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> but which one was he? Was he cute or is he hot? Um, Did you dress up like him because you thought he was hot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Weirdly. I, maybe I should have. Maybe it would have worked out if I had yeah. done that. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't work out for Sharon. So like Difference between cute and hot. She just wanted to go shopping. I like to buy things. That was such a... Cameron. That is so not what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> this episode was just like a roller coaster because it was... Yep. Oh, it was funny. Uh, them trying to leave the soft people village uh, and Jake not wanting to leave because he was getting his belly rubbed in soft land. I was like, yes, this is my daily experience trying to get Obi to go for a walk. Like... He's getting his belly rubbed on the couch and just completely zonked out of his mind as a result. Immobile. Total fight. I did like the uh, when Jake and Sharon as the gut grinder were fighting at the end. In Was that, what was that, Spiny Village or Pokey Village? Whatever that was. I don't remember if there was a name. Spiky? Spiky. Spiky? There we Spiky? go. Spiky? Uh, the the kaiju fight of the dogs where they yeah. were like knocking over buildings. I had that shit. exact same read on it. Yeah, I just like this whole concept that they described in the beginning of like, oh, the gut grinder kept coming and taking the gold, so we hid it under a cup. <laughs> but then we just decided to put it back in the middle of town. Just they like, to, like dance to dance around, around it. it. Yeah, just like to like all Klingons from the Alpha Quadrant. They like to dance around it. You don't have anything that you know is wrong, but you just like to do it. <laughs> let's not talk about that here okay i like jake just like psyching himself out the whole time like is it 
is it me? And then just, yeah, in the end, in the end, just like getting into that headspace and actually becoming what he feared he was. They did a really good job setting that up to make you think it was. Yeah. Because he entirely did it to himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's the only one who psyched himself up for that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then in the end, it just had, like, it was it was just, like, nonsense. (laughs) It was, was like, because I was expecting it to be something where either, like, it was a long-lost brother, and then we were going to meet something like that, or, like, it was was him. It was just just Sharon having sewed. Yeah, and then she's, like, like, the fact that she was dressed up like him had nothing to do with anything. (laughs) It was just... He's hot. Yeah. (laughs) And then she and Cameron have their domestic dispute in front of everyone. Just airing it out in the streets. Yeah. And then it ends with them getting hugged in a very painful manner. Yeah. By these spiky star people. This was definitely one of the times where I feel like the Adventure Time episodes were stronger than the uh, than the Star Trek episode. Yeah. And this is the end of the first season of Adventure Time. It is. It's the end. Well, friends, do we have any connections for these episodes? I do actually have one for these episodes. Excellent. Uh, Jake and Bellana both have to deal with internal conflicts about who they are. Mm-hmm. Wait, when does Jake have to do that? In Gut he Grinder. He's the Gut Grinder. He doesn't know. But he isn't the Gut Grinder. He's not yeah, the Gut Grinder, but he doesn't that. know it. He's confused. He, he's conflicted about whether he, he is or not. He has to think about who he really is. All right. All right. Could he be the kind of dog that eats gold and like smashes villages? Well, yeah, it turned easily. out, yes, he was at the end. <laughs> but it was still a learning experience. He learned about himself. And how much he likes belly rubs. Yes. I mean, what dog doesn't love belly rubs? It is. It always kind of freaks me out when he acts like a dog. Like when they gave him the belly rubs, like, what is going on with him? And then mm-hmm. I remembered, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a dog. <laughs> they've, they've really been pushing that narrative a lot in the last yeah. few episodes. Yeah. I, I like it at the moment. We'll see how much longer I like that. Um, Mine is that... At the end of his hero, Billy had part of him regrow the, in, inside of him. <laughs> like he, was, uh, he said, you've um, fixed something that was missing inside of me. Do you want to watch? And then he like heals up this <laughs> hole in his chest. Just like the uh, Vidians are trying to, trying to do for themselves. Keep their bodies going. That made right. me remember that them walking back into Billy's lair was uh, with the old lady on Jake's like butt shelf to transport <laughs> them. <laughs> the most most creative use of a butt yet, I would say. Jake Jake gave himself a new head like how Chakotay had a new Vidian head. Excellent. Wow, I had nothing, but <laughs> these are really good. So similarly, uh Sharon was wearing Jake's skin like Sulan was wearing Durst's <laughs> face. Oh god. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't his actual. It was skin. not his actual skin, <laughs> though. Jake is that magic, feel like so like... something they could do, and, <laughs> but he would get it back. Obviously, mm-hmm. be fine because it's a cartoon. <laughs> Did you have any, Andrew? No, my uh, my literacy was bad on this one. <laughs> oh, me too. I stumbled through a lot. <laughs> um, um, I love Lou Ferrigno and I love Bolana. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right well no i got nothing i got nothing we'll forgive you this time thank you well join us next week as we watch voyager episode 15 
Jetro, Jetrell, I don't know. And I hate to tell you this, but this is a Neelix-focused episode. Fuck. But Why'd you spoil it for us? We're also us? watching... I'm busy this next <laughs> one. I'm on vacation. Okay. <laughs> Just prepare yourselves. We're also watching Adventure Times Season 2, Episode 1, It Came from the Nidosphere, and Season 2, Episode 2, The Eyes. Uh, remember to rate us on iTunes leave reviews and uh, follow us on social media uh, at Voyager time or Voyager time at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with us, if you have questions, so anything you want to say, anything in particular, just reach out to us there. In the meantime, we'll just wait for you here by the mausoleum with our backs turned and our defenses lowered. Come try to do something else besides violence in order to make a difference because violence begets more violence and doesn't actually solve any problems. Someone falling over over there? <laughs> that is the cat. So that yes. Is... So yes. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> how heavy is that cat? Andrew, this is where you tell us how heavy that cat is. She's not that heavy. She's not that big. That's what I was thinking. There's problems if you've got if you're making those kinds of noises when you lift a cat. Oh my bones! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the issue with Minnie learning how to open doors. Has she taught Astro how to open doors yet? Not yet, thankfully. But I'm sure we'll get there.